welcome to this week's episode of Top Lines and Tales. And uh, I'd like to think Top Lines and Tales adds a little bit of variety every week and we very often um, challenge ourselves to come up with with new firsts. But it's been mentioned a few times uh, recently that uh, we don't quite pay enough attention to the commercial livestock breeders and the commercial livestock operations in in the UK and around the world there. So... uh, and this week, through our, our kind sponsors, Harbro, we are looking at the Agriscott Beef Farmer of the Year Awards. And we are fortunate enough to be able to catch up with a few of those uh, that are shortlisted for the award, which will be announced next week at the Agriscott event. And I'm hoping to be at the Agriscott event myself. So uh, some of these farmers, you can imagine, are very, very busy this time of year, housing cattle and, and such like. So I'm quite privileged to be able to catch up with a, with a couple of those and uh, get them on the podcast, hear why they've maybe been shortlisted and, and what they do in their livestock operations within uh, Scotland. And uh, I, I'm very fortunate uh, to have caught up with James Young from Gervin Mains in, in Gervin in Ayrshire. And uh, James, good morning and welcome to the podcast. Morning. Very nice to be here. Nice to be on. And James, congratulations on being shortlisted for the Agriscott Beef Farmer of the Year. Thank you very much. And, and Thank you. I'm just going to try and catch up a little bit and just, just to see uh, what you do there at uh, Gervin. And Gervin, a beautiful spot there. Just uh, You'd run down to the sea, I guess, from where you are. And, and for those listeners that don't know, Gervin is sort of halfway between Ayr and, and Stranraer on, on Scotland's west coast. And uh, do you run down to the water there, James? Yes, we're right on the water's edge. Uh, very, very lucky to have some of the lightest land and... Uh, and best land to be fair in the area, which is it's lucky we grow a lot of early potatoes on that land, and we we actually get a, a double crop off of the land. The potatoes are planted in February, March, um, sometimes in January. I've seen as weather permitting in January, and then the ta- the potatoes are then lifted May to mid June, and then we'll get a stubble turnip or a Italian ryegrass in there for grazing or cutting. Uh, after that, you'll so be, we're quite lucky in that way. You'll be making some of our listeners very jealous there if you can get get on your land in January. <laughs> that's for sure. And if you'd seen the weather the last three weeks, I don't know if they were that jealous to be fair, but. I think we're, we're, getting, we're getting some interesting weather and the Beef Farmer of Award is, is about progressive and forward thinking farmers really who are up for a challenge and, and that's kind of uh, where you come into this but as you said you grow you, you grow a lot of, of crops there as well you grow for we, your we, we, grow, we, we grow a lot of cereals uh, winter cereals um, predominantly we grow maize which uh, not that many people in Scotland will do either mm-hmm. Uh we grow some some rye as well, whole crop rye and whole crop wheat. Uh, but predominantly, uh, we grow winter barley for feed. Uh-huh. Um, the maize is feed as well. We've got, we invested in 2016 into an aerobic digester, okay. uh, which we feed predominantly with uh, cattle muck and slurry. Um, right. And then it gets substituted a wee bit with maize uh, and some rye. And possibly some uh, some first cut silage as well, but predominantly all the silage is for for uh, cattle. Okay. Um, and let's just look at those cattle. What kind of numbers do we run? It's the suckler cows mainly, and, and finishing cattle. Yeah, uh, I've just over five hundred breeding cows now, um, and we finish um, 
2,500 a year. Right. Uh, and my own calves are included in that number. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything's finished off farm. Um, selling mainly uh, uh, Scottish beef and ABP. Okay. Uh, we sell a few live to local butchers um, when required. Um, you, yeah. You'll be buying in some, some calves as well then to make up those numbers? We'll, we'll try and buy forward stores, really, um, at 500 kilos this. Keep them ideally 100 days okay. or less. Um, quite stringent on on data. Uh, all the animals are, are electronically tagged. Um, and we're, we're using high-frequency tags as well as a trial with the Scott EID. Uh, and we're weighing the animals ideally between 55 to 65 days on farm. And if an animal isn't performing, then I'm, I'm killing the animals out, whether they're ready or, or not. To okay. be fair, just economically, there's no point holding on to, to poor performing animals mm-hmm. uh, because they're eating, they're eating more than what they're putting on financially um, their day. So... My grandpa have had the saying of you're better with half loaf than no loaf at all, so can I <laughs> stick with that and go with that? To okay. okay, and fine. sourcing those cattle must be fairly difficult, I guess, across Scotland. What sort of breeds perform best on your on your system? I, I really I like the Simmentals and Charlies, to be fair, are, 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 are always good performing animals, but the more I'm into the data, the less it really matters in a way okay. what the animal looks like mm-hmm. because you can have the best looking animals but if they're not performing then they're no good to end it really so we're, we're now knowing where to buy what farms to buy the animals off of because uh-huh. you're getting you're getting the data over we've only been doing it really two two and a half years so we're getting data back to all the animals and we know that man's animals do really well with us they're worth probably a wee bit more to us because we know the performance is good. So, and, and yeah, the breed isn't so much necessary. It's also where you're killing animals. Mm-hmm. So you're killing animals, each slaughterhouse likes a different thing, to be honest with you. Okay, the hundred animals in a pen, 30 could suit one guy, 30 could suit another. Okay. And, and 40 might suit... I thought, but it's just it's getting animals as even for your market at the end of the day when you're selecting them on data and if they're poor performance it's hard to get obviously the animals to hit the targets but if I'm sending a load away there's always going to be a small percentage of them having to go because they're poor performing okay. and you get an animal that's at its peak then the performance comes off at that point as well mm-hmm. So the animals are better away when they're starting to... So they've, hurt, they've hurt their maximum and they're not going to do any more, if you know what I mean. So what sort of carcass weights are we looking at, uh, at um, ideally? Or, or again, is that from different, different, different um, outlets? Ideally, I, ideally, we're looking for, for the bullocks to be in between the, the 360 to 390 mark. And mm-hmm. generally, they were hitting around about the 380, to be fair. Okay. And that's ideal. Uh, heifers, my, my homebred heifers are killed, they're killed quite young, so they're only 320 to 350s. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, when I wean them, they don't 
go back to grass. And that's through trial and error as well. I once grazed them uh, and only gained 12 kilos extra uh, dead weight. And that was because we had an extra six months of keep on them. So yeah. I didn't think the 12 kilos extra justified the six months. So I'm pretty stringent that way. And they get fed well and work quite closely with Jill. Uh, Hunter for Hargrove, she's good at giving us ideally the rations and helping us with the rations to to get this peak performance really. Okay, and and you mentioned Harbour there. They do sponsor this podcast, and uh, you buy quite yeah. a few quite a few products, I believe, from from Harbour, including the the Rumatech and, and the, the Maximon. How's the Maximon work work for you? Well, I've tried Maximon a few times. Uh, I've probably the most success with it recently. We combined some of our uh, some of our forage rye, and it performed very well. When we Maximon treated the green in that, and it's a very very good product, high in protein, so I'm, I'm aiming for that product to feed to my weeding calves to just to give them a wee bit extra protein and push okay. them on to get a bit more frame on them before they get the full uh, finishing ration. So, yeah, the maximum's all right. I got on very well with the room intake mm-hmm. uh, product. We use that a lot in our finishing uh, ration. We also use uh, the super circular mineral uh, as well, when we feed, when we calve down, we feed. Uh, we make up our own kind of super circular bit of bar. It's got a bit of big bulb, kind of mineral, uh, but it's got actually got a bit of magnesium in it as well. And that just with the super circular, it just puts a shine and a bit of rise to the cows to get them back in calving. Traditionally, we've struggled getting the younger cows back in calve. Um, the second and third time even so I think that that product uh, helps us in that aspect of things and you mentioned you work with Jill Hunter because she is a nutritionist and I think you've been doing some trial work for them at Harbour haven't you so they'll be benefiting from what you're doing as well yes we we work with I first met Jill she worked with Keenan and uh, we've done uh, we run a Keenan 380 wagon and it's got the ability to feed in different pens and feed certain animals which is a great a great thing it means we can trial different feeds in different pens different minerals over quite large numbers okay. and having that data as well matched up with the electronic weighing data is is good and pulling it all together takes a bit of time but it's now everyone's away from paper mm. it's so much easier to do sure and, and it you, comes down to just time getting uh, the time to sit down and actually do it yeah, of course computer keeping that data always does and <laughs> computer technology is moving all the time and it is complicated but you, yeah. get, you get the grips with those and you mentioned you were using the 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 high frequency tags there and again that's something that you guys have trialed i believe yeah we've, we've trialed the high frequency tags for quite a while now through scott eid just different types of tags how they work, how they read. And I think it is quite a good idea on that aspect of things, but I think the tags are making a bit more investment, to be honest. I've tagged tagged all my own calves with it now, I think, for three years. And we tend to find with a high-frequency part of the tag, over a long period of time, there's more losses of tags on that side of the tag where it's high-frequency. But I think a bit more investment, it's possibly the right thing to do but 
they're doing low frequency as well, and that's good as well. You just the, the benefit of the high frequency tag is you can go into any pen and read the whole lot of tags, and it tells you everything. Read the sex, uh, the tag number, official tag number. Now a low frequency tag, you're only getting just a randomly generated number in a way a market number. So mm. there's great benefits to high frequency tag as well. Okay. Um, Okay. If we could, if we could get them to stay in years for the, for a long period of time, is the best thing. But. I, I worked with Richie Tag many years ago, and that was our biggest bugbear. Everybody's biggest bugbear is great tags, but we've got to keep them in. That's the thing, isn't it? Didn't I keep them in, keep them in because I mean, when you've got the, the hundred day car, when you're putting the tags in, and they're only there for hundred days, hundred twenty days. Mm. I mean, you've got to really go hard at a tag to, to lose it in that time. Uh-huh. But um, we, we don't have many losses in that. But and when you're getting the data for our own calves. Once you've lost that tag, unless you have to physically put in the number into your, we work with an XR5000, but we head box, mm-hmm. and you can weigh a lot of cattle if you're only scanning the tags, but as soon as you've got the gold one in the, in the crate mm-hmm. and punch in its number individually, yeah. it slows the whole process down. And collecting data, you want it to be a quick and easy and painless process. Um, sure, sure. You and- know, without having to. <laughs> Punch every number in individually, so it's a wee bit annoying when you've got one comes in and it's lost a tag, and that's what happens more often with the homebred animals because a bit longer. They've been at the longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand that. And uh, d- just moving on, you mentioned that you sell a lot to, uh, of beef through uh, Scott Beef, and I believe you've uh, you've done well in in their meat exhibitions in, in the past. They're putting some cattle through the. Yeah, I've been lucky enough. It's always nice to take a. I like taking homebred animals more than than bought ones. To be fair, I, I've done I've done all right with a couple of homebred ones. I've not won it yet, but there is time and always hope. Uh, <laughs> and and this this competition is it's actually getting judged today as we record this podcast. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, by by Saturday, which is tomorrow, I might be lucky enough to win. Fingers crossed. But you never know. It's uh, something I would love to do one day, but. And if it was a homebred animal, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be I'd delighted. But yeah, you've got to be in it to win it. That's that's it's it. Great. It's a it's a it's a good education as well to go and see the animals live mm-hmm. uh, and see them get judged live, and then go go and see them all hanging up. And mm-hmm. the ones that you want to see hanging up, you've got them in the catalogue marked, and you can go and see them. And you, can, you know, you learn a lot that day as well. And it's it's uh, definitely. Definitely, it's opened my eyes to some uh, different breeds of cattle, if you know what I mean. And, mm. and it's not a fancy one that hangs up the best. No, no, that's very true, as you said, and that's where your data comes into that. Well, you you really are in the spotlight with with that competition on, and of course the the Agri Scott competition as well. And let's just move away a little bit from from your farming side of it. You you mentioned you grow potatoes there, and you're part of the of the Gervin Early Growers for Ayrshire. The new new potatoes, I guess you guys are growing there. Yeah? Yes, mm. yes, uh, we we grow early potatoes and early salads and early main crop potatoes and we've been involved in it for a long time with that. Started in it uh, a very, very long time ago. Maybe 40 years, maybe 35 years ago. And there was, I think originally there were seven or eight farmers 
locally and it was down to price of machinery and stuff. We all were clubbed together in a co-op uh-huh. and it runs very well and uh, I'll be the second generation. I've got a, a, a younger brother who works in that more. Mm-hmm. good thing about it is that I've got a younger brother. He's more into the potatoes and arable stuff. Mm-hmm. Turns his hand into livestock when needed mm-hmm. and I'm more into livestock and less into the crops sure. which works very well and uh, our scale of business, so but, yeah, it's it's quite it's quite good. There's five businesses now involved in the uh, Gavinelli Growers, uh-huh. and we're all second generation now. Mahara's still the chairman, but he's the only original, uh, <sighs> one of the only original members left. To be fair, that's still involved. But I think he's got his eyes on retirement in a few years as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like there's, a, there's an opening there for one of you, and that's the whole ethos of a fa- whole ethos of the family farm, isn't it? That uh, yeah, brothers yeah. can do different parts of the business, and, and you each specialise in your own area. It sounds like a fair mm-hmm. operation you go in there. And you mentioned your you mentioned your, your your father and your mother, I think, and they've be recently been involved in, in a charity uh, a, a charity investment. Yeah, as well. uh, they've, been, they've done very well. They raised seventy thousand pounds, thirty five for RSBI and. 35 for uh, Camp Hill, which my, I've got a younger sister who's a resident at Camp Hill, okay. and uh, they celebrated their, their wedding anniversary, and uh, both their 60 birthdays in the same, same year, and it was uh, just an occasion to have a, a knees up after sure. Sure. probably two years of COVID and, and uh, not that much socialising, sure. but a very commendable effort anyway to raise uh, 70,000 yeah. for, for, for anything and, and with regards to your business and say a family business are you still growing is it the ambition still to, to, to keep moving on trying new things yes we, we are still growing working in efficiencies and, and having the whole digester thing along with our business is a boat on mm-hmm. part of the business that runs very well with it with the beef enterprise, and ideally, there's there's growth in all sectors of our business. But the costs, the way they are, the now, what's the right sector to grow in? Maybe if I had a dairy farm, that would be maybe the one that I would like. I would be thinking about growing the now, the way the, the price of things are. But uh, I we we are always pushing on and and want to try and uh, do more. Mm-hmm. If I can make more profit, yeah. uh, it, it would be easier to grow. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, 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 it's a strange time now, I would say, in agriculture. Yeah. Um, cost of living crisis is putting a lot of pressure in supermarkets and putting a lot of pressure back to the farmers mm-hmm. to try and make, to try and cut costs, really. And, and they want food for less money and I don't know. The only way to do that has been more efficient, really, and that's what we are trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, we all aspects of what we're doing, to be fair. Okay. Um, but it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> It is sad. Well, obviously, you've been singled out, as I said, for the for the um, agri And Just one quick question on on the cattle: Are they all indoor housed? Did, did all of these? I mean, how many cattle do you keep all at one the, time when you're turning them around? Yeah, all the finishing animals are, are finished uh, indoors. Uh, obviously, the cows and calves are are out. I still, I wean a lot of my cows. We've, we've rent a lot of land from the local estate, the clean estates. 
Um, and I've got quite a large scope of land, not that far away, nine miles really from Main Hub, Gavin Mains. Um, and there's about 1,300 acres there. And that is a godsend to keeping cows out of the 900 odd acres of, mm-hmm. of rough hill. Mm-hmm. Um, and we managed to, to wean the calves and get the cows away out to that hill, or certainly the beefier type. Mm-hmm. Cows are we out to that hill, and we started breeding. Uh, started with the beef sucklers. A lot of them traditionally were um, Frisian cross limousines, good square wee black cows. Mm-hmm. And um, we are slowly moving on. We're trying to breed a lot of our own replacements using Salade and Angus, okay. and we're working our way into more hardier type cows that can withstand more winter weather. Sure. Um, we run two two kind of separate herds, mm-hmm. run about three fifty calving in the spring, um, and about hundred and twenty thirty in the in the autumn. And the hundred twenty thirty, they run outside all the time on the shore land, on maize stubbles, on some of the sandy land. Mm-hmm. I've got two lots of now on the stubble turnips, um, and they're getting a wee bit of silage, but they're getting fresh turnips every day. As well, we're grazing them, and generally it works well. And if it wasn't for maize in our crop rotation, we would have to do less of that. Mm. The maize doesn't get sown to, to May, mid May, so you've got a bit of time for the fields to, to, recover, yeah. to dry mm. and recover a wee bit. And it, mm. we're very lucky that we're quite we're dry where we are at Gavin Mains, and sometimes. Looks dirty, but it's it's dry. If you know, what I mean, three mm. maize stubbles are easy. Mm. It's just sand, basically. You go out some of the fields with your slippers on <laughs> in, the, in the winter time, and you're all right. If you know, what I mean, <laughs> it just sometimes doesn't look that great for the road. Sure, but, sure. And and do you run uh, the cattle run on slats inside the ones? Um, most of the, all the finishing cattle run on. Uh, straw beds. We've got a cubicle shed for when I wean my calves, the leaner cows come down into cubicles and the, the fatter cows and beef bed cows stay out. So there's cubicles there, but I try and keep as many cows out as I can. I'll, I'll have a quarter of my cows out uh, all the time, ta- not all the time, but out till Christmas, mm-hmm. and then it'll get to about half, and then by February, I'll have three quarters of them in ready for calving uh-huh. with the autumn ones still sure. out. Sure. Uh, we carve everything inside mm-hmm. on straw. Um, just It's easy for managing, especially at that time of year. Sure. And then we also bring in the autumn ones to calve just for managing purposes again. Okay. Um, they could be in for the first one, calves normally in for a day or two, and then, and then out, if you know what I mean, straight away. So. Sure. Sure. You must have a fair spread of buildings to handle that lot there, and I guess your buildings again are important. You develop them all the time. Buildings change, don't they? Modern modern buildings come yes, in. Yes, they do. They do change, and we're, we're currently doing we're in the process of trying to do a, a new setup for some interiors and some traditional animals. Right. But uh, the cost implications of that are mad to now. To be fair, <laughs> uh, the way things have went the last year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But fingers crossed. 
Well, fingers crossed for yourself, James. I appreciate you being busy, being busy running all that lot there. And fingers crossed for yourself, as I said for, as you said yourself, for the Scottish uh, uh, Premier Meat, Scott Beef Premier Meat Exhibition, and and more to the point for uh, Agri Scott uh, next week. And uh, I'll be there at Agri Scott on the Harbour stand myself. So maybe pop in and we'll say hello. I'll pop in and I'll I'll, I'll have a coffee with you. Right. Uh, no, thank you very much. Hello. And, uh, it's been it's been a pleasure doing it, to be honest. I wish you all the best, there, James. Thank you very much. Thank you. Cheers, cheers. Isn't it? Now we go to Harry Brown at Ochmelidi Mains in uh, in Maud in Aberdeenshire. And uh, Harry, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you very much for inviting me along. And, and Harry, congratulations yeah. on being shortlisted for the Agri Scott uh, Beef Farmer of the Year. And we'd just like to catch up with you and work out a, find out a little bit more about uh, what you do there. Uh, yeah, 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 that's no problem. Thank you very much. Uh, more there in Aberdeenshire. You're up near Peterhead there, so you're, you're up in sort of north Aberdeenshire, um, in from the coast That's correct, yeah, yeah. Maud's, uh, um, yeah, Maud was famous back in the day for the, the big fat sales that it used to it used to hold at the the old Maud Mart there. So Maud, um, Maud had a bit of influence in, it, in its day. It used to, um, Smithfield used to base the base the weekly price on what Maud made on the Wednesday, so it uh, it, it was a big fat centre back in its day, but no, sadly no longer there. <laughs> like a lot of markets do. And you run a, a two hundred, I think, uh, limousine, top quality limousine cross uh, suckler cows there. And um, what sort of size do you run on those, uh, uh, Harry? Um, predominantly, predominantly limousine. We've got the one Angus bull, but predominantly limousine um, onto that. Uh, you know, they tend to tick a lot of boxes for us. You know, they suit suit our system and suit suit the the, the uh, you know we sell our own beef and that as well. So, um, the, aye, they, they seem to they suit us fine. Okay, so you're you're running those circular cows and you're finishing those, and we'll go on to your 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 beef outlet in in a second there, which is obviously a major success. But uh, talking of successes, you've been in and amongst the the Christmas classic show in in Aberdeen and, and the Spring Show as well. And you know, you're a man that show, has shown a few fat stock beasts over the year and and won your fair share of that too. Ah, uh, yes, that's right. That's right. We've uh, we've shown. Well, it was back in in Dad's day. He he started the started the show, and he was sort of more. We showed at Maud Mart, and then uh, he was more a carcass man himself. Um, and then uh, ourselves, uh, you know, we sort of took the live show in a bit more serious. And uh, we've, yeah, yeah, we've had, yeah, we've had a good go over the years. And uh, we do we do the carcass side of things as well. Um, there's a there's a local show at New Deer there um, every in the summertime. That's about um, maybe seventy fat cattle at it, and. Uh, if you win it, yes, you're doing well. It would be probably the strongest summer show of cattle there anywhere in the UK. It's, sure. it's a really strong competition. Like, mm-hmm. and do you do you sell a few youngsters before we go on to your finishing cattle? Do you sell a few youngsters on to other people to take on to the shows, or do you just keep all all, all for yourself? I sometimes sell some at the spring show, and they will also sell a heifers with calves at foot and that. So some of them have got potential as well. So. Um, uh, uh, but uh, predominantly, you know, we're fatting, you know, ninety-five percent of everything on farm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that's kind of kind of our passion, really, is the is the fattening side of it. You know, it's kind of we've done that for a long time, and and dad's time and granddad's time. So, we've been at it a wee while now. But I think you had a you've had a change, and they say it's an ill wind that blows nobody any good. And I think the COVID side side of it, you you saw an opportunity after the COVID lockdown there to start uh, marketing some of your own beef, and that seems to be uh, gone from strength to strength there, Harry. 
Ah, yes, yes. It's uh, yeah. It was a wee idea we had. Um, uh, my father always fancied having a butcher shop. You know, he supplied a lot of local butchers for years and years, and uh, always had a, a long eye for a butcher shop, but never maybe quite make you know took the plunge. But uh, and we saw this sort of as a opportunity and a compromise between the two. So. Um, and it's, you know, we did a trial first and then it's just grown and grown since then. And yeah, and we've got to, you know, plans to do more in the future and that. And, you know, we wanted to, you know, it's good to be able to go and meet the people that's actually buying the, the stuff you produce. You know, it, I felt, you know, you fat, you bred them, you fattened them, sent them away. And then that was it. You never really heard any more about it, apart from an odd local butcher. But now we're speaking to our customers at the end of the day and it's 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 great to get the feedback from them and we're always learning as well well it, that's i think the whole idea of the of the agri scott beef farmer of the year is looking for progressive farmers who are looking to go forward and, and to improve their business and certainly you haven't and, and what sort of yeah. size let's just look at the sort of size of beasts that you put in there you're, you're putting your own fat cattle away somebody will be slaughtering those for you and what sort of size of carcasses Aye. you bring back in yeah it tends to be it's heifers who keep for that job. The steers, the steers either go to Woodhead and Turf or ABP or, or Macintosh Donald. Um, they tend to go to you know we, we want to get them between six eighty and seven hundred kilos. Um, but the heifers that we use for our own butchery side of it, <clears throat> I would say max of them maximum about six thirty. But if they're about the six ten, six twenty is a nice sort of weight. It's you know it, it gives you. It gives you a decent gross because, you know, your costs are the same, you know, your killing charges, your haulage and the butcher is all the same price. So mm-hmm. you want to, you know, it's okay doing the little ones, but uh, they've got the same cost. So we find about 610, 620s are sort of fine. Life kilo. Middle of the road. L- life kilo. Aye, without, without stakes and stuff being too heavy, obviously, and too big. So sure. there is, um, there, there is a, a, a different, almost a different market, isn't it, when you're selling direct to the end user because they're seeing the seeing the product there, they're seeing I, the fat cover on that, they, 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 they're looking at the, at the at the meat they're getting, and as you said, definitely. that's a great opportunity for, for I, them and for yourself. It is, it is, and, I, and I, think, I think what sets us in a unique position is, you know, the cattle, you know, so much variation of breeds out there, you know, maybe somebody goes into the supermarket and gets a, a good steak one day and then they go back in and, you know, there's it's not so good next time. You've got so much variations out there, at least with the way we are doing it, they're all, you know, they're, they're, they're fed and brought through all the same way and slaughtered roughly about the same age. Um, same breed, same feeding regime, um, and then it's hung on the bone for minimum 30 days as well. So, you know, what we're finding is people saying, you know, your beef's consistently good. So um, consistency is a thing. I understand consistency, absolutely. And what about the, the whole beast? I've spoken to one or two people before marketing their own beef uh, direct to the, to, the, to the public there. What about the whole animal? What about the front end and the chuck and, and, and the mince and that? Do you, you manage to get the whole, the whole animal away on, through, through that outlet? Yeah, well, actually, being honest, it's, we could so, sell more front end stuff than uh, we've got a guy that uh, makes pies Um <laughs> He makes for us, and he has his own pies uh, business as well. So he's he's hoovering up all our shoulder and front end stuff, um, and then there's a with a good you know a good following for our mints and that as well. And uh, there's a there's a, com- a company in Ireland that does meal kits. So they sometimes maybe every you know maybe every month they'll come to us and they'll take all the mints from one animal. You know, so they're they're shifting a fair heap of 
Abraham in. So it's I think the balance is not bad. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then of course we we sell our own sell our own burgers and that as well at at the markets, cook them and um so so no front end stuff's not really a problem. Okay. And are you making your your own mince and, and cut them butchering your own beef there or are they coming back ready butchered? No, we, the um, the butcher we use in Huntley Forbes Raybond, he he does the whole thing for okay. us. We just go and pick it up, vacuum packed, labelled, ready to sell. So, so um, it it works fine. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it works fine. And you've grown your business online, as I said. The COVID lockdown, people started to realise that uh, you can get a quality product online as long as it's consistent and comes with some good recommendation. And that side of it must have must have grown, and you'll be selling down across the country now, I guess, through through the internet. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's a sort of side of things we're sort of looking into and sort of pushing. And the, the the focus for a start was keeping it local. And we're we're fortunate in the in the the area we're in. We've got probably four or five villages round about us, and in the you know and they don't have a butcher shop, so we've kind of tapped into that as well. So um, um, and then the local farmers markets, Ellen and Peterhead. So, uh, and then a, and a wee bit of mail order as well. It's something we're kind of, you know, looking into growing at as well. Mm-hmm. Certainly a profit in, in the, a profit to go into the end user with a, with added value. Um, and but local produce you mentioned, and you are very keen on on local produce, aren't? as we all should be really educating people where the meat comes mm-hmm. from and the fact it doesn't need to travel a long way to uh, to get to the end user. No, that's right. That's right. I mean. Right here in the in the heart of uh, uh, central Buchan here, you know, it's it's one of the biggest. You know, Aberdeenshire's one of the biggest fattening counties in the in the UK, if not the biggest one. Um, so, you know, we don't need to be taking beef from all over the country or all, all over the world for that matter. We've got it right here on our doorstep. Um, Best, best you'll get. So, as you said, the 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 the, the farm shops and the, and the stalls and that do help to educate people on that front there. And and one side of it, I suppose, as you said, you've got to, you've got a, a guarantee because it's Scottish beef and it's Aberdeenshire beef. But you get involved with QMS. I think you've used QMS. As, they're a good guarantee, aren't they? The quality meat, Scotland. Uh, they are. Yes, I. That's right. I think it's a recognised brand and that as well. So we um, we we, uh, we we use that alongside our own sort of brand that we're creating for ourselves and that and uh, you know when we started out we wanted to keep it that it was just homebred animals we used so we could uh, we can tell the story right back and uh, but QMS was you know very supportive and help us helpful to us uh, and still are you mm-hmm. know we still <laughs> get the odd strange thing crops up that we need to phone for advice but uh-huh. um but uh, so, uh, a great advisory service, and, and I, I, I read somewhere that uh, you had supplied beef to the Lord Mayor's banquet in London on a couple of occasions. I think how, how did that come about? I uh, well, it was actually that's actually back in Father's Day. Okay. Um, it was through the old uh, Amco back in uh, mm-hmm. Dad Dad uh, put a lot of cattle to, to Inverurie Scotch meat and Amco, and uh, so he was selected. I think two or three times to go to the. Um, for, for a bar and a beef to go to the Lord Mayor's banquet twice, yeah. I think so. And then they we're actually looking through some old paper cuttings there and they, they, there was a, an animal from here went to the opening ceremony at Covent Garden, spit roasted um, <laughs> at Covent Garden opening ceremony. So Brilliant. Well, um, all that helps with your marketing, of course, with a quality product, with the people like to uh, also buy a bit of history. And I think you're you third or fourth generation there farming there, yeah. Yeah, fourth generation. That's correct. That's correct. We, um, you know, we've got a, a, a we made up a board. You know, it's quite a big 
sizable board with paper cuttings, you know, from recent right back to back in father's time. And, uh, you know, it creates a lot of interest. You know, people like to come and read it. And, uh, you know, it's just to show them a bit that we're, we've been here for a wee while and we, we do know maybe a wee bit of what we're doing. <laughs> we're not just... Uh, New startup sort of thing. But that's it's, it. That's to, it. To, to let them know that we've, you know, there's a bit of history behind it. That's exactly what it's about, isn't it? To be able to market that extra, just to 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 keep yourself going and use that experience story. experience from the past. Yeah, I think people like to buy into the story. I think, don't they? Mm-hmm. Indeed, indeed. Well, uh, um, congratulations on being shortlisted for the Agri Scott uh, Beef Farmer of the Year. And just before we, before we sort of wrap this up, you um, you better tell our listener because we've got listeners all over the world here. If they can buy some decent quality beef, I might be a customer myself. Can can we? Is that available online? There, where do we find that? It is. If you go, if you look us up on Facebook, um, our contact details are there. Our website's currently under construction, so probably Facebook's uh, the best way to 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 get in contact with us. And uh, and we can, yeah, we can send beef anywhere you want. Uh, uh, <laughs> the world's a small place. <laughs> well, ho- hopefully we'll bring you a few customers in through that. And as I said, congratulations on being shortlisted, and I've, and and good luck with it. Are you coming down to the Scott, to the Agri Scott event yourself? Uh, on, on Wednesday? Yeah, yeah, we'll be down. Yeah, my wife and uh, we'll be down with the kids and that as well. So uh, we're, we're very much, uh, you know, we're very much a family farm here, and the wider family as well helps as well. Mm. So it's. Um, with a keen young lad works for us and his sister too so we've a we've a good team you know at um uh, you know behind every man there's always a good team sort of thing <laughs> so um uh, so but no we'll be we'll be down there for a we'll be down there for a, a, a look on Wednesday anyway well we're looking for I'm looking to do a live podcast through there and just but you are of course a customer of Harbro and I'll be running Harbro sponsor our podcast and uh, yeah yep, I'll be yep. around about there and, and and what what products do you use from from Harbro in your in your process Oh well, there's quite a lot of different. Uh, we um, well, we bought it's a barley bar, like a thirty percent barley balancer. Um, we use for the fattening side of it, and we use herbal minerals for the cows. Suck, uh, they're super, uh, grounding super suckler, and um, and you know they've a, a local shop and store not far from here. So we, um, you know, there's there's lots of different things that you know we buy all the time from them. But that's kind of the main. Uh-huh. You know the the grazing mineral. Well, all the cattle minerals comes from and the uh, uh, the barley balancer and and uh, the, the the molasses and all that. It goes in the feed. So um, no, they're they're uh, a good firm to deal with anyway. You're a good customer. Well, do do pop into the Harbour stand at uh, Agri Scott there and grab a cup of tea. Yep. And if I'm about there, it'd be nice to 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 speak to you. And uh, as I said, yes, I, I wish you all, all the best with uh, with winning that award there, uh, Harry. Thank you very much for for your time on Top Lines and Tales. No bother. Thank you very much. A pleasure. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Cheers, Nick. And the third one to be shortlisted for the Agriscott Beef Farmer of the Year are the Richardsons from uh, Upper Samenston in Oxnan, uh, Jedburgh, there in the borders. And uh, I did try and catch up with Ian Richardson, but they are very busy this time of year housing uh, cattle, and we couldn't quite uh, manage to squeeze him in. Hopefully we'll speak to him later on uh, next week at the Agriscott event. And uh, just to run through the Richardsons, well known to a lot of people for producing a few good suckler calves, and uh, they run 500 commercial cows and, and 500 cross used there in the borders and exceptional stockmen the both of them with with fantastic attention to detail which is what's brought them to the attention of the uh, the judges of this this event and the Richardsons will sell uh, the quality stores through United Auctions at Stirling and at St Boswell's usually 180 or more six-month-old calves in the autumn and the rest would go as yearlings in the spring and uh, 
as I said, producing quality calves, and they do turn out individual calves, which are often bought up by the young farmers uh, clubs to for the rallies over the winter competition, and have done very well in that one. And uh, recently, they've won the the bull calf in the Scottish and Northern Shirley Club 50th anniversary uh, suckler herd competition. So no strangers to the limelight uh, when it comes to winning prizes, and and more so they were exhibiting uh, cattle at the recent Agri Expo, which uh, I was there to witness, and some great cattle they had there at at Carlisle and that fantastic event just a few weeks ago. The Richardsons are um, they are customers of Harbour, of course, our sponsors on Top Lines and Tails, and they buy their beef stock nuts from them and uh, are very pleased uh, with them, and they've written articles and various things about how well they're doing for them. Uh, they buy pro-grain and, and uh, grain processing and protein concentrate. Uh, Rumatech, which we heard earlier on from one of our other shortlisters uh, there that does them very well. And this summer they've been buying bespoke mineral buckets for bulling and bespoke cow minerals as well for for. for to pre-carving and producing a lot of forage there they do have uh, mineral analysis regularly done and um, this is followed up with uh, rations um, specifically made to fit their their own requirements and they grow their own barley and some for whole crop and some for combining and they use the bulk of the grain for feeding uh, feeding their own livestock in-house so uh, and congratulations to the Richardsons for being shortlisted for the Agri-Scott Beef Farmer of the Year. And congratulations to all three of the competitors that have been shortlisted for this prestigious award. And uh, I, So I'm hoping to be bringing you a live broadcast from the Agri-Scott event, which is in Ingleston in Edinburgh on uh, Wednesday the 16th of November. And uh, a, a show packed full of a variety of livestock, although primarily maybe started out as a dairy show and uh, for all I'm going to be trying to bring you some results and chat with some of the some of the exhibitors there we're also going to try and make an effort to chat to some commercial farmers and particularly dairy farmers um, and you might find me rounding about the Harborough stand there um, doing a few recordings pop in and say hello or pop in and, and see Harborough and or you might find me ducking and diving and you never know I might thrust a microphone in front of your face there and ask you to have a quick chat with us so uh, we're looking forward to being at the Agri Expo next week and uh, as I mentioned earlier on, congratulations to the three contenders who have been shortlisted for the Agri-Scott Beef Farmer of the Year Award. And the award winner will be announced at the Agri-Scott there. And, uh, well, one of you obviously will become that winner, And uh, but there are no losers in this event. So congratulations in getting uh, getting shortlisted there. And we'll bring you the, uh, we'll bring you the prizes and results as soon as, uh, as, soon as we know. So uh, looking forward to seeing everybody there, uh, as always. Uh, I'd like to thank our sponsors, Harborough, and I uh, hope you found this week's episode of Top Lines and Tales slightly different. Um, as always, we try and bring you the best there on our weekly livestock podcast. <laughs>